Open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 16, coming to the end here uh, today, and then uh, one more message from the book of Romans. Great to be in God's Word, and this is a message of tying up the letter. Um, I I think about this, and I wonder, um, how do you respond when people say, I'm depressed? Like, like what do you think's wrong with people uh, when they say they're depressed? And when I say wrong with them, some of you gasped when I said that, but that, like, what's wrong? What's wrong with their person? Like, you know, most of you have a car, and a car, I don't know what it's called, but it has that little thing underneath the steering wheel, and you can buy one of those $50 things at AutoZone, and you can plug it in. And it'll tell you what's wrong with your car. And if you fix that, chances are your car will run better. And I guess I just wonder, when somebody says they're depressed and discouraged, uh, what's wrong? What's wrong? And what I would say is this. As a pastor, um, it's not that we don't all struggle with discouragement. But as a pastor, I always want to say this. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Are your sins forgiven in Christ? Because if they're not, I bet you that's the problem. Because if your sins aren't forgiven, sure, it's a heavy load to carry around all day long. And I'm sure in your moments where you're, you know, thinking about your life, it doesn't look very good, right? I I know that. I, I get it. And so... The first thing I would say is, you know, do you know Jesus? Because if you know Jesus, your sins are forgiven, and there's a huge relief in that. If you do know Jesus, do do you you remember that your sins are forgiven, right? It's important. and, And as you think through your life right now, are you doing what a man should do? Are you doing what a woman should do? Are you doing what a son or daughter should do? Are you living the life that God wants you to do? Are you fulfilling your role? And that's different for everybody, right? It's the phase of life you're in and how that works out. There's different roles in that. There's one other thing I want to talk to you about, and it's filled in this passage that we're going to look at. We looked at some of this stuff last week when Paul talked about his visits to, wanting to visit to Rome and Spain and Jerusalem and others and just excited about his life. The last thing I want to say about that, when you think through an empty life, an empty life, is are you serving Christ? Are you serving Christ? And, and, and you say, well, how does that fall into depressed and discouraged and empty? How does all that fill in together? I want to tell you this, that God created you as you are to be in relationship with him. And he created you to be in relationship with him. If you're in relationship with him, you're part of his church. You're part of his church. You're part of the family of God. And if you're not serving, if you're not actively fulfilling your role, there's a certain emptiness to life that is built in because you're not doing what God wants you to do. 
And we're going to see that throughout this passage this morning. You might look at this passage, and maybe even some of you read ahead and you said, I wonder what he's going to do with that. Bunch of names of people, names he can't pronounce and people he doesn't know. Um, What's he going to do with that? I, I want to tell you this. I want you to ask this question. Why was this included? Why was this included? Why was this written? Uh, this is part of the eternal word of God. So why were these names included in the eternal word of God? Uh, hopefully we'll be able to tell a little bit of that uh, at the end of our time. I want to say this too. Uh, in the time where the book of Romans was written, who do you think was the greatest celebrity uh, that would have been written about in a big deal in the time of writing a Romans? Caesar, all right, Yeah. And you can, there's many books written about the Caesars, right? And, and, you know, greatest rulers and their time and really over the whole world uh, coming from Rome. Paul didn't mention them in here. Past, present, or future Caesars. Uh, He didn't mention them at all. Uh, In fact, uh, there are no leaders. At the end, there's the possibility of one. There's a small local le- leader. But as you look at this, you realize that these are just, I say just, highlight, circle, capitalize, whatever you want to do. They, these are just people in the church at Rome. That's all these people are, just people in the church at Rome. And so as we look at this this morning, uh, if you are part of Bear Valley Church, I want you to think through that this is Rome. Tehachapi is Rome. Think that through. That's pretty funny. You didn't get the joke. Uh, four million people. I don't think Tehachapi or Bear Valley even is for close. Anyways, but this is just a church and they were just a church. And these are the names of some of the people in the church. I want to read this to you. I'm going to skip over some of the you know, names that are a little rough. But anyway, standing in honor of God's word, uh, Romans chapter 16, I want to read down through verse 23. Down through verse 23. God's word says this, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sinacre, uh, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints. Help, help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Uh, greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Uh, greet my beloved Apapnius, Uh, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who worked hard for you. Greet Adronchus and Junia, uh, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They're well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampelius, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachy. Greet Apelles, and is, uh, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Uh, 
Greet those workers in the Lord. Uh, Tryphena and uh, Tryphos, Fossa. Greet uh, the beloved Parasus, who has worked hard in the Lord. Uh, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, uh, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet all these guys (laughs) and the brothers who are with them. Uh, Greet greet these other ones uh, and his sister uh, and Olympus and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another in a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Verse 17, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, uh, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Uh, For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent, as to what is evil. Verse 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So does Lucius and Jason and Sospeter, my kinsmen, I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is a host to me and the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city, uh, city, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. God, we ask your blessing on your word. We ask that you help us to understand um, what you would have us understand from this section. God, I thank you for these um, special servants that you marked in your word that we might remember. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. I want to ask you this question uh, as we begin. Who, who are you important to? Who are you important to? And I, I don't say that in a like big deal, you know, like, like you know. But, but when people think of you, you know, what do they think of? What do they think of your role in their life? I want to go through these these lists here, but I, I want you to uh, to picture why Paul, why God, through Paul, wrote these things down. Paul did not know the church at Rome well, but he knew people in the church uh, through traveling and through different people relocating. He knew some people in the church, and so as part of what he's doing here is he's saying to them. You don't know me, but I know some of you. I know some of you. And I know some of you for certain different reasons, and he's going to outline some of those here. These names, we can know something about the people by the names that they use. Uh, Some of you, um, you think about different names. If uh, someone says their name is Hector, or I have family members that are like Helmut, Right, you know, uh, and you go. Uh, you probably would guess the the Hector is probably someone who's Hispanic of some sort, but Helmut—that's got to be you know German because it is. Uh, 
And, and you, you know different names. And we look at these names and they tell us just a little bit about this list. I think there's 26, 27 so names here. And I, I want to tell you that many of them are not Jewish names. They're Gentile names. And so we can deduce that, that as he looks upon the church at Rome, many were not Gentiles. Many were Gentiles. But there were also some Jews there. And so as you look at that, you realize that was part of what he had spoken of earlier. Uh, there's always this thing going back and forth, back and forth between uh, addressing the Jews and the, the, really the doctrinal hangups that they would have and also the Gentiles, the, the lack of teaching and the lack of understanding the scriptures because they, were, um, they weren't familiar with them, that one or the other. But m- most... Uh, it tips a little bit to the side of Gentiles. I want to say this too, that in these uh, names, in these listed here, there are nine women. There are nine women. And as you think through uh, in a predominantly male culture, especially in Rome, uh, I, I want to tell you, especially for you women, that there was a powerful impact on the gospel work and the planning of churches by the work of women, by the work of women. And they're acknowledged in different ways here. And I want to share that with you. He also says this. And so two to four million people in Rome. He also addresses different churches. And, and not churches like the one on Plateau uh, in Bear Valley. Uh, but he doesn't address, he ch- addresses churches in homes, in homes, in particular homes. And I know some of you, um, say, you know, that's the way we should do it. That's the way we should do it. Is that's what the Bible says, and we should have home churches. Great. We're going to meet at your house next week. We have attendance around 400 people, and did you see how many kids there were involved? Put the valuables away. Put the valuables away. Um, so, anyways, I'm just kidding. Don't get hung up on that. Please don't get hung up on that. Uh, we, we may in the years to come, be home churches. But we're, right now, we're a church here in this place, and we should be thankful. We should be thankful for this. Um, in a month or so, it's going to be super hot. And some of you do not have air conditioner in, at your house, and we do here at Bear Valley Church. <laughs> and so attendance is going to go up. Um, I don't know why I'm here, but it's cool inside, you know. Um, anyways. He, he addresses the churches. He addresses the, uh, he talks about these churches. And so if you could picture in Rome, uh, churches, house churches throughout this monstrous city uh, made up of Jews, Gentiles. And I would say this, the rich and the poor, the people who uh, have history, like are, are royalty types, but also those who are slaves and, and ex-slaves. Like these, these are what the names tell you. Some of them have slave names. So it means that they're either presently slaves or they were slaves. And others have royal names that probably are second generation or something like that. And we, we'll learn some more about that. Anyways, so you picture these churches uh, filled with men and women, Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, those of uh, means, but also those who uh, haven't done much, uh, seem insignificant. 
We start off with Phoebe. And some have sectioned this off as being a little different. It is. He says, I commend you. And as we move down to verse 3, it's going to start greet, greet, greet. Um, but he says, I commend. And he's, so he's sectioning off and he wants everyone to draw their attention to this woman, Phoebe. And he says, I commend to you. And this is a section, I, I titled this section, Gospel Church Greetings. And then in parentheses, shout outs, Right? And if you could picture this reading, he's saying, hey, then there's Phoebe, and then there's this, and he's, he's pointing out different people. It's not that they're all not all important, but he's talking about the ones that he knows. He has a relationship with, he knows of them by, by some reason, he points them out, and the first one is Phoebe. And he says, I, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sin... Sin- I can't say that. Um, that, that city, town, area is about eight miles from Corinth. And Paul, most likely, as he went about his travels, he went, he, when he was there, he met this woman, Phoebe. And it, it says, you know, I say he met her, you know, probably he did meet her, but there was much more of a relationship there. He, he considers her a sister, not just a sister because they were friends for a long time or they grew up together or they were actually family, but because of her relationship to Christ, he made him his sister. And he says of her, this is what that we know of her, is that she was a servant of the church at that place. I think it's interesting that uh, he, he says, and he's going to talk church, church, church throughout this passage. And he starts off with this woman, and he says that she's a servant of the church. When you think of yourself, do you think of yourself as a servant of the church? When you, when you think of yourself and you say, my life is first, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I, I, I've had my sins forgiven. First step to having a meaningful life is having your sins forgiven guilt-free, right? Not because you're not guilty, but because your sins have been taken care of. So that's why you're guilt-free. But then he has placed you in his church. And Phoebe was that one who said, I'm a servant of the church. That's how she lived her life. It's interesting. You don't put a t-shirt on that says servant of the church. She was known by that, by the things that she had done. Verse 2 um, and it, it, there's a call for, he says, I commend her, I bring her to you. I, I want you to know who she is. He says, she's a servant of the church. Verse two, why? That you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints. Uh, as you think about that, you, this woman, Phoebe, comes in and maybe nobody knew her. Maybe she's from that area that's from Corinth and she moved into Rome and now she's looking to connect with the church. And this is a, a commendation. It's a connection. It says she, she should be trusted. Like she's a great servant to the church. She's already done it. And so now she's uh, one again. And it says, uh, welcome her in the Lord, a way worthy of the saints. And uh, you, those of you um, ex-Catholics, when you see that word saints, it throws you for a loop, Right? <laughs> Because Phoebe wasn't dead, was she? She was in Rome. And, and you say, well, has it been voted on? I want to tell you, we're going to have next Sunday, we're going to vote who's a saint of Bear Valley Church. Okay, we're going to bring you up on stage and I'll say, you know, 
This is Larry Lacombe. Larry Lacombe. We're going to vote on Larry. Can I get a second? Can I get a second? You know, some of you are going, I don't know if I would second, but maybe I'll vote. But it is not. Let me me be clear. Let me be clear. Um, To be a saint is not someone who's dead. That's not someone who's dead. It's that someone has come to know Jesus Christ and that their sins are being forgiven. That's what, and it's not the work of a person. It's the work of God done in the person's life to make them a saint. I know that sounds crazy, and it is in the sense of like, wow, that they would be known as a saint. Um, so you can call yourself Saint Kevin or attach your own name. Anyways, that would be a great church if you walked in there and you introduced each other. Yeah, this is Saint Nathan, and you know, <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, uh, what was I talking about? Saints, thank you. So this is about Phoebe. It says, help her in any way she has need. And, and some of you are pulling back right now. You're pulling back as you hear this. You say, well, you know, I'll, I'll greet her. I'll greet her at the door. I'll say hi to her. I'll smile at her and, you know, tell her about the surprise box. But give her anything she wants? Yeah. Because being saints and being a servant of the church is, is family, Right? And so there's this thing, as we know, and as Paul was even sharing, he says, I I want you to know, Paul, take care of this lady. Take care of this lady. And there's a reason why. Servant of the church. She's a saint. Servant of the church. She's my sister. Uh, What else does it say? It goes on to say this. At the end of of verse 2, it says, For she has been a patron of many and myself, and of myself as well. That word patron most likely means that idea of... um, she showed her generosity to people. Not just to people like handouts to people in the community, but she considered herself a a financial backer, a financial backer of the work of God, of the work of God. It's that she, she, and it doesn't say that she was a woman of means or that she was poor. It doesn't say either one of those things. It just says this, she's a patron, Right? She was a financial backer of Paul. Now, uh, finances are a tough deal, aren't they? Right? How many of you have all the finances in the whole world? Right? It's a finout. I, I learned this in school. Uh, let's hear it for public school. It's a scarce resource, right? That's what money is. And that's why, you know, we don't have enough of it. And so there's this thing of like, we, that's how we determine the worth of something and so on and so forth. And so for Phoebe... She looked at her scarce resources, her scarce resources, and she said, I want to use what God has given me for the work of the establishing of the church. Remember, she was a servant of the church, this one church here, but also Paul and the establishing of churches. And this is the picture of Phoebe in her life. And I want to say this. Paul was just saying this. She's been generous to me and many more. And I just want to encourage you that this may be part of what God has for you. Um, it's not just about whether you have a lot of money. It's whether he's changed your heart and given you eyes to see the worth of the gospel. The worth of churches. There's this thing that um, a lot of times we, I hope, I hope you love Bear Valley Church. And I hope you, you get excited about supporting the work here. 
But, but I think there should be a, a mind and heart in this that say, oh, I love Bear Valley Church. I, I, I want to be a part of financially helping other churches to be established other than Bear Valley Church. Why? Well, because you want to see others have a church like Bear Valley Church that has the scriptures, has the gospel, that you'd be changed, you have a fellowship. That was Phoebe's heart. It's not just about this one church that she was a part of, but Paul says she was a part of me. She's a patron of many and myself as well. So that was her. She was generous to me and many more. Let's get moving. We've got a long list. Uh, verse three, Prisca and Aquila. Some of you think that's a typo. Uh, it seems like it would be, but it is not. Uh, Prisca is a, uh, a variation of the, word, or, or the name Priscilla, um, the longer version and the shorter version, we do this in our culture today. Uh, William and Bill, I'm not sure why those two are the same name, but anyways, uh, it's that same thing. It's uh, a shortening of a name, uh, a different usage. When you think of Priscilla and Aquila, uh, or Prisca and Aquila, Paul writes this, he says, they're my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, verse 4, who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. What do we know about them? Well, they're mentioned in Acts, 1 Corinthians, and 2 Timothy, and it says of them that they, I like the way Paul writes, who risk their necks. What is he saying? Risk their lives, right? They were, they were willing to die for me. And, and I think about that. I think about that, you know, we're having VBS here in a couple of weeks. And uh, I don't think it's a risk of your neck to participate. I don't think so. I don't know so either, though, right? You know? I don't know what it's going to go on that week, but I, I, I want to I point out that like that's what it is to serve. It's sacrifice. It's not like, you know, when you think about doing one thing over another, you, as your resources are scarce, so is your time, right? And so as you think about that, you go, oh, I don't know if I want to. That's not the point, right? For... Uh, Priscilla and Aquila, uh, it wasn't about whether they wanted to. They said, today, I'd like to risk my neck. (laughs) That sounds like a fun thing to do, you know. I'm a daredevil. No, it was that they they saw the gospel mission going forward. They saw what Paul needed, and they, for him, for him and for others, they risked their necks. They were willing to risk their life. Um, and so Paul really gives thanks to them, knowing that, you know, through their sacrifices, uh, the churches, the Gentile churches, should do that as well because God used them. And then what does it say, verse 5? And greet also the church in their house, right? We're getting in these house churches, right? And uh, yeah, there, there's these places. And I realize. Uh, our houses are special to us. How many of you did some yard work yesterday? Yard work. There, there's, you didn't get it all done. What was the big deal? You know, right? There's still weeds at your house. Uh, i just assuming. Um, the idea of your, the blessing of your home 
is that your home is to be a tool and, and that this is what God would do. And they didn't stop at just risking their neck. Of course they didn't because they risked their house as well and they desired the church to be in their house. Um, and, and just notice he's mentioning these little churches. He's mentioning them. He goes on, uh, verse 5 there, he says, Greet uh, my beloved uh, Patnius, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Can you, can you imagine what that would have been like as Paul thought through what had gone on and to be that first one to step forward and say, Yes, I will follow Jesus. I will follow the message of this guy. And, you know, no, no one's done it before. I don't, don't have any, you know, I didn't go to VBS. I didn't, I, I didn't do these things. I haven't been to a church. I didn't know believers that this was the first one to step forward. He marks him and he says, my beloved. I, li- listen to these words too, beloved, partner. Like these are, these are the things that he ke- keeps saying over and over again. Verse six, greet Mary who has worked hard for you. Worked hard for you. Uh, we don't know what Mary did, but uh, she was somehow a worker in the church. I want to stop here and just say this. Um, how do you get your name or your picture in the Tehachapi News? How do you do that? Most of the time you just call up and you just tell them to do it, right? You know, I'm sending you a picture. I did something great. Great, we'll put it in there. Um, some of you who came from larger cities, you realize that you know, it's still a big deal to us, right? We like seeing our, our name and our picture there. But, but what I want, want to tell you is this is different. This is different in that this is what God sees. This is what Paul sees. This is how the work of the gospel goes out. And it says of this woman, Mary, what? She worked hard for you. She worked hard for the church at Rome. And sometimes we like to think, well, you know, it should be this uh, joyful, refreshing, like non-tiresome thing to work in the church. And I want to tell you, sometimes it's just hard. Sometimes it's just hard. It's like doing anything. It's not easy, right? There's, there's, there's hindrances and barriers and there's lack of energy on our part. And, you know, there's a scarce resource there too, right? You know, I'm tired. But, but the idea is what he was marking in Mary was that she worked hard. For what? The church. We move on. Now, verse 7. These two are probably married he refers to them once again as my kinsmen. I, I believe that my kinsmen is an identification of Jews that Paul would have been. And he says of them that he's my kinsmen, but also my fellow prisoners. They're well known to the apostles and they were in Christ before me. I think about that of prisoners and when you think of being a prisoner, how, you know, when you rolled into church, when you got out of bed this morning, and you thought about coming to church, what were the hindrances in your mind as you, you thought about, oh, you know, I might get arrested today and thrown into prison for going to Bear Valley Church. I don't think any of us thought that. Uh, it's not that it couldn't happen in the future, but we can't see it, right? We can't see it. You know, some of us with better imaginations, we can see it. But uh, 
For most of us here, we go, no, I didn't think about it at all. In fact, I, I thought, eh, maybe I'll go, maybe I won't. There, there was a sense of like, eh, like this. But this couple, uh, they were connected to Paul, probably as Jews. But he said that they've also done some time. They've also done some time. Like Paul, like Paul, my fellow prisoners. It says of them that, you know, it's probably connected. They were well, well known to the, the apostles and they were also in Christ before me. They'd been believers a while and their, really their uh, relationships with the other apostles were steadfast as well. I just want to remind you that as you serve and as you follow Christ, as you're part of his church, it, it, it'll come at cost, Right? It might come at cost of your life. It might come at cost of your money. It might come of cost for you being uh, in trouble with the law, right? But Paul's making marks of the people in Rome, and he says, greet these people. Verse 8, uh, greet Amplatius, or whatever they called him, uh, my beloved in the Lord. I picture Paul as he's doing this and he says, yeah, remember him? I love that guy. I love that guy. I love, not because we, we grew up together, not because we went to the same elementary school or from the same town, not because, you know, we cheer for the same sports team or whatever, but because we're part of the church. I love that guy. I love him. Verse nine, greet Urbanus our fellow worker in Christ and my beloved. Once again, he's repeating these words. Uh, worker, beloved. There, there's this connection going on. And, and what I want you to get here is this. And this is what Paul talked about last week. As he looked at his life, he was super excited. He says, I want to come visit you, but I'm going to Spain. But Jerusalem, I'm going to stop there and give this money from you to them. And how this goes about. And, and there's all these exciting things that are going on for the gospel, for the establishing of the church. It's great. Paul looked at his own life being changed in the gospel, and he had a full life. And now he's identifying other people in the church, and he's saying, these are my beloved partners, Right? These are the ones that God has done a work. These are the workers of the church. Verse 10. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. The word approved is the idea of tested, right? He, he's shown himself to be tested. And, and the idea of tested, kind of like even the commendation for Phoebe, is that you can trust him because I've seen his, God's work in his life before. Verse 11, or end of verse 12, greet those who belong to the family of Erastabalus and Herodian. I group these together, end of verse 10 and 11, because these are names of royalty. Names of royalty. And it doesn't mean that they were necessarily royal now, that they were serving, but these would have been probably families, generational families, that had been in power positions in Rome. Uh, and, and so as they look at this, these names of royalty, they are marked not by their names of royalty, but by that they are part of the gospel church, the church that's been saved, changed by the gospel. He goes on and he says, greet those in the, uh, in the Lord who belong to the family of 
narcissists, and that, that connects a word that we use all the time, uh, narcissistic. It's not the same. This is just a person's name. And, and once again, what is this name? In the Lord. Greet him in the Lord. Why? Because our connection in the Lord matters Verse 12, greet the workers in the Lord. Once again, workers, he names these two. Uh, skipping our next, next line, greet the beloved, the beloved Persis who has worked hard in the Lord. There's a theme here. The loved ones, the workers, the church. Verse three, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, similar to uh, the one we just went over. Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Do you see what's going on in the church there? Rufus was probably a peer of Paul. And God had done a work in Rufus's life, but not just was he chosen in the Lord, but also his mother, also his mother. And what had she done? She had treated Paul like a mother treats her son. There's a sweetness there. And why did that happen? Because it's the family of God. Because it's the family of God. She was a mother to Paul as well. Greet those. There was a family kindness there. Verse 4, he begins uh, moving right along, grouping some of these names together. He says, greet these one. Gospel greetings to these one. Verse 15, another list. Greet, greet these ones. All the saints who are with them. And, and, and what you get here in these first 15 verses is they're having been loved by the Lord. They love the Lord. They love his church. And they serve as workers sacrificially. This is what you get as a list here. Verse 15. Verse 16 says this. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Verse 16 is a little rough sometimes to teach to the middle schoolers <clears throat> for obvious reasons. It, it is probably uh, more cultural than we would. It, it was usually man to man. It was usually woman to woman. And it was a sign of greeting. It was not just within the church. It was a cultural thing. What made it different within the church is because of Christ, we are holy and because of Christ, we greet one another as holy brothers and sisters. And so I would say this. Uh, there is a holy kiss. There's also a holy hug. There's also a holy handshake. But the issue is a holy greeting. A holy greeting. And I think that this is almost more important in our culture than it was in, in Rome. Uh, why? Uh, because we ignore people all the time. Uh, we ignore people. Some of you even ignore people that live in your house. You don't greet the people in your house. I'm not talking about the church that meets in your house. I'm talking about the, the people who sleep at your house, right? And so there's this idea of acknowledging greeting, warm greeting, loving greeting as the church. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you. How are you? Uh, there, there's a stopping and, and spending time with and acknowledging. And in a church like ours, in a time of social media, it's always funny to me who, you know, uh, 
Facebook or Instagram and this. I follow these people. I don't know them. I don't care about them. I just follow them. Um, I, and, and, and you'll see people in real life and you go, oh, I, I, I may know them, but I kind of don't know them. And so I'm feeling awkward and this and that. When did we all start feeling so awkward, by the way? Well, when did all that start? I don't know. Uh, but we all feel awkward all the time. But this is the idea in the church. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's this loving greeting that we do. Uh, and all the more, as we have been commanded to do, we greet one another. And Paul says this, all the churches of Christ greet you. That there is a connection of gospel churches where there is warm greeting. Verse 17 uh, we have, we just looked at the, the gospel church greetings. We're going to come back to that. But now we have a gospel church warning. Verse 17, I appeal to you brothers to watch out uh, for those who, who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. That last part, avoid them, reminds me of the proverb that Brandon shared, right? Avoid them. And there's, a, uh, there's a, a warning to the church. There's a warning to the church. And this is the warning. The divisions could come in. What divides a family? You don't want to talk about it, huh? What divides a family? You don't know? You don't know? Uh, there's all kinds of things that divide a family, right? Jealousy. Jealousy. Uh, you think about, you know, there's jealousy between siblings or family or, or feeling slighted, you know, sometimes generationally, you know, mom and dad don't care about me or mom and dad don't feel cared about back or grandparents, like there's this, there's an offense. Maybe it was Thanksgiving last year. Maybe someone said something last year at Thanksgiving that you can't get over. They said they didn't like your green bean casserole and you were kind of chintzy with the onions on top, right? Um, there's all kinds of things that can separate. Money can separate, right? This idea that we're deserving and that she got more or he got more or somehow it wasn't deserving or they did this or they did that. All kinds of things can separate. But the warning here is this, first of all, against divisions, but especially against doctrines that divide, that people would come in, and he says, avoid them, avoid them. And, and what I would say about that is avoid engaging with them, but also with listening to them, avoid them. Verse 18, for such a person, these people are trying to bring divisions in the church, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but they, their own appetites, they're selfishly driven. And their method going on, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Um, this calling is to not be naive, don't buy into it. Verse 19, for your obedience, this is the church at Rome, for your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. He says that's the gospel warning. Divisions being dragged away by foolish talk. Verse 20, listen to this. The God of peace, the God of peace. Ah, the God of peace. The God of peace. What's the God of peace gonna do? He will soon crush Satan under your feet. 
will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now I look at this and I, I think about this, this idea of crushing. It draws me back to Genesis, right? Uh, the first sins, Satan's first found out. He, he says, you know, there's a time coming where he's going to be crushed. He's going to be crushed. But this is the picture I want. I, I'm not sure he's talking about the final crushing or, uh, or a momentary victory in Rome. But, but what I think is beautiful is this. Satan is going to lose. He's, he's not going to win. He, 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 we, we sang a song at the beginning of the service, fighting a battle you've already won. And if you don't know Christ, you, you look at that and you go, that doesn't make sense. But if you know, you know, right? If you know the gospel, you know that the, that the victory's already been won and Satan is a defeated foe. He will be crushed. And this is what it says. But this, I, lo- I love the way it says this. And, and I picture... Uh, is the church at Rome, let me ask you this, is the church at Rome collectively able to crush Satan? No, they're not. But, but it says that the God of peace, and the peace is for the church at Rome, right? The, those who follow after the God who loves them so much, they get the peace. But for those who don't, Satan and his followers, what happens to them? They get crushed. But how does he crush them? I picture him, you know, I have uh, little ones and, you know, I'm, my role as grandfather is, is big. I have a lot of things I need to do. The riding lawnmower is a big deal, right? To take your grandsons on the riding lawnmower is a big deal. And they can't drive it themselves, but you help them drive it, right? You help them. And as I look at this, the the collective church at Rome could not handle Satan on their own. But he says this, I'm going to use you, but I'm the God of peace is going to crush Satan using you. You're going to be the ones. And so I I look at this and I go, I rejoice. I rejoice because the God of peace wins in this church in Rome. He says this, in grace of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, be with you, in which the, the grace that w- in which we have life, our success, and in our strength, that is it. L- lastly, uh, the last few verses, verses 21 to the end, you have gospel greetings again, but now they're from us, Paul and his partners, to them. Gospel greetings to them, not just that they would do that the other way. Verse 21 says this, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you, and so does Lucius and Jason and Sostoper, my kinsmen, my Jewish brother workers, okay? Verse 22, I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord, most likely a servant scribe of Paul. Verse 23, Gaius, who is a host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Did you get that? He's taking care of Paul. Paul was with him. But also the church was with him. He probably had a church in his home as well. He was a home church guy. Uh, middle of verse 23. Um, Erastus, the city treasurer. That, that's the one I was talking about earlier. He, he may have been some kind of city manager of some sort. And our brother Quartus, I greet you as well. Brothers. I want to tie this up for you, give you three takeaways, okay? And I hope this is helpful. Like, I hope as you look at this, you, you see yourself here at Bear Valley Church or wherever church you're a part of, you see yourselves in this world. The first one is this. 
Takeaways. The church matters supremely. The church matters supremely. What's going on? Well, the church is going on. Because the church matters supremely. And as you see these representations, these people listed here, they knew it. They knew it. And so their, their life was sacrificed. Their finances were sacrificed. Their time was sacrificed in different ways in their roles in the church. Second thing is this. Your role, you should think through, your takeaway should be, what is my role in the church? Because the gospel matters supremely, the church matters supremely, and I have a role that I need to play, and it needs to be supreme in my life. Thirdly, uh, trust the Lord in these endeavors. Trust the Lord in these endeavors. And what I mean by that is this. Um, They're hard. They're hard. It's hard to work in the church. It's hard to work side by side. It's hard to work behind enemy lines as we are here. But, but as you fulfill the role that God has for you, his warning was divisions. Uh, don't, don't let divisions come in. Don't get lost in the crazy, okay? Uh, but, but what is he saying? In the end, what's going to happen? The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And so there's this, this, this call for perseverance to not quit. And the idea here is that why, you know, not every day do we, does it look like we're winning, right? Not every day does it look like we're, we're this great success in our service and desire for the Lord, right? But, but the idea is to continue on trusting the Lord. Trust the Lord in his endeavors, knowing that in the end, what's going to happen? Satan will lose and God will be glorified in his church. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for these examples uh, in the church at Rome. God, help us to uh, fulfill our faithful role, the role that you have called us to. Uh, May we be uh, significant, not because we are great, but because you've chosen to use us. And may we be great to your people, the saints that you have called to serve you in this time. God, we thank you in your name. Amen.